Are you sitting comfortably? Then we'll begin. Everybody and welcome to another episode of There's Still Time, the AFTN Soccer Show, broadcasting on CITR Radio 101.9 FM from the unceded Musqueam Territory at the University of Beautiful, British Columbia. I'm Michael McCall. I'm Steve Pander. And I'm Zachary Adamizenheimer. And we're back. It's been two weeks since the last episode. Sorry for the break. Unfortunately, I got the virus kind of ruled everything out. No, it wasn't monkeypox. Finally, COVID caught up with me, so kind of laid me a little bit low. So we didn't have a a show last week whilst and I was I, recovering. And I stayed away from the show because I had it before you. Yes. Or alleged, I allegedly had it because yeah, I never tested, tested for it. I never tested. No, I never tested oh, it for you it. Didn't. I, my, I my wife tested. Negative. My wife tested and she tested negative. Well, see, but, this is the weird thing because... I tested positive right away when I did the test. So mm. then Caitlin was feeling okay, but then two days later started to feel terrible. So she's tested a couple of times now. She's had it worse than me, but she's still testing negative. Maybe it's a, a male biased test. No, it, yeah, well, the no, in my house, I, I never tested positive even when I was not feeling well. And then a while later, my 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 wife finally got it, but. And, and thank goodness she no no, no major issues long term for her, but so far but um yeah it's weird like I felt awful for that whole, like a week but never I, I tested two or three times never never got the positive so, weird. so it could be it's I've heard I've heard it could be just the at home rapid tests are not as uh, yeah they're not that accurate the thing yeah, with Caitlin but- though is like she she's lost her her smell and she's lost her sense of taste. Which people have told her since she started going out with me that she's kind of lost her taste, but she genuinely has lost both taste and smell. I, I didn't. I didn't at all. I but didn't either. Every, so every, but popular. people have said that people have said that uh, you, you, it's not everybody that gets it loses it, especially with yeah. the new new stuff. I think it, yeah, it's up. only like thirteen percent of folk now. So yeah, unlucky for some. Obviously, unlucky for her. I think I've pinpointed down where I, I got it from. It was from one of, of two things I had gone to. And one of them was a, a concert. And obviously, I'm now celebrating that fact by making one of the bands I saw our Artists of the Month, our new Artists of the Month. So they'll be coming up in parts two or three. But I'm still a little bit under the weather. My voice still hasn't fully recovered. Fatigue has been my biggest thing. I've been like wiped out. If I go and do anything like any of the League One commentary, I come back, I just crash out. So hopefully I make it to the end of this show. I mean, thankfully, 
it's been a quiet couple of weeks with nothing to talk about. So, I mean, it's clearly <laughs> just going to be a short show for us to, to get through. No, no big talking points at all, I think. <laughs> because uh, Zach and me had actually recorded an extra podcast the night that we brought out the last AFTN soccer show, which was going to be about the, the Canada-Iran game and looking at the, the squad for these two matches. And that has never seen the light of day, although I still should probably salvage something about our squad chat that I had and, and bring that out before the, the game on Thursday. But that that was the start of the, the debacle that has kind of unfolded in the last week and a bit. So we're going to obviously talk about Canada, the farce around in that in the first two parts. Part three, we'll, we'll talk about Whitecaps as well. But let, let's just get straight into it. Because Sunday was the, the cherry on top of the shit cake that has been the last 10 to 14 days for the Canadian national team coming home to Vancouver. Because we like to think of Vancouver as the national team home. Wow. First of all, there was the Iran backlash. And then that game got got cancelled after they, they backed down and pulled it. Then there was a... A search for the the late replacement. They finally found one. If they'd just waited a little bit longer, they could possibly have got Scotland. But then they got that replacement. And then that game did not take place. Called off against Panama two hours before the, the game was meant to go on. Then there was a car crash of a press conference by Canada Soccer after it. So much to, to delve into. We'll get into all the ins and outs, but but Steve, what were your thoughts on Sunday by the time that that game was finally called off? Oh, very frustration. The frustration was so high because the fact that the way it broke down, and first of all, by uh, I'm going to start off by saying that I don't trust Canada Soccer, and I think that organization has been in a dire need of a rehaul. Um, from top to bottom for a number of years, all the way back from when Jason DeVos and, um, oh, I can't remember, uh, who was the other player? Uh, the one that was injured all the time, uh, but like almost on the same level with Christine Sinclair. Jason Ben? No, 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 female, female. Oh, uh, Carl Lang. Uh, Carl Lang, yeah. yeah. Oh, and they, 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 were, they were secretly tweeting stuff about the meetings and stuff because it, it was like uh, they were, there wasn't an open uh, mm. conference or something like that, all the way back from there. You just knew the stuff was like not all right up there at the top, um, and it, like so. Starting off with that, that I don't trust them at all. But I, I, I was kind of more upset at the players only because going back from way way back when, I've always felt like if you're going to represent the nation, you don't like walk out on the nation. That's just my basic feeling, um, and. Um, and they probably are right in what they're saying. Uh, but the, my whole thing was like, it's just that what the, they, they're walking out of the game. Not only does it hurt, obviously, the, that that day, the people are coming to watch the game. It hurts them. Uh, but it, it's going to put a black eye on people that were just going to show up, uh, the fringe fans. And it's also people that were uh, at home and not planning on maybe watching the game on TV. Uh, but hearing about this, maybe that puts them completely off soccer. The fact that your national team just didn't play. Yeah, f for me, a lot of fault 
on both sides uh, around uh, the circumstances on Sunday and a lot of fault just in Canada soccer all round for the, the build-up to many things. And as, as you say, Steve, it's needed a an overhaul for years. It, it's felt for a while that Canada soccer has not been fit for purpose. And it kind of feels a little bit stuck in the past, Zach, and hasn't maybe moved with the times. And we'll get into a lot of all the ins and outs, but how were you feeling on Sunday? Because you were going to be heading to the game. Um, There are so many, so many layers to this. uh, That is, yeah, it might be hard to break them all down on this one show, but I I think, I think the first thing is as much as we think we know all the things we need to know about this, there's a lot of this, a lot about this that obviously we don't know. Mm -hmm. There's a there's a number of key details and I, I think a lot of perspective that we don't yet have and we might never have. So I think all my comments and all my perspectives are are based on limited information. So I I uh, I guess I reserve the right right to alter them later. That, that, I mean that's but, very fair because it's like everyone's calling for transparency just now. Whether yeah. we ever get that to yeah. the level that we all want it, I don't uh, know. I mean, this might sound bad, but when you answering your specific question, Michael, I actually I was I was kind of relieved uh, that 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 because you were coming in from hope, so it saved you a yeah, long trip. I was working well, yeah, not just the tri- saving the trip, but it there was just the stuff from the uh, like the residual from the Iran game and the mm. the massive letdown. Uh, I mean, I know Michael, you and I talked about it a little bit, but like I guess my perspective is now on it is like. I uh, I never felt it was like the best decision to begin with, but I, I'm happy for the families that are that were impacted by the tragedy that that the, the game didn't happen. <clears throat> on a sporting level, obviously, I feel really I feel for the the players and the coaches. And on a on a supporter level, I respect you know a fan level. I feel a little bit. It was just like a letdown going from uh, putting the circumstances of Iran to the side. It was it was just a letdown going from like a 50, 50 plus thousand you know sellout ish type game to what was going to be what like fifteen or twenty yeah and, and and so it was like going to the game I was like oh this is not going to be like the section the Voyager section is not going to be quite like it what what it was going to be right and I, so I, I was the one I got them, I started getting all these messages from people as I was driving home and I, I think I got I finally I got home and looked at my phone and I was like oh okay my my afternoon my afternoon is a little less, uh, you know, traffic filled, um, and I can go and relax with my family after working all weekend. I felt a little bit relieved in one sense, but uh, also sad, sad and disappointed. When it when it comes to the Canadian Soccer Association and this group of players, uh, yeah, I, I think that the CS, like historically, yes, the CSA has, f- from a supporters' perspective, not been always run very well and doesn't always have or has not ever i think fully had the right mix of uh football people in there like i know i know britney's there now and stuff but um it still feels like it's missing um, more you know when you look at a lot of or when you look at some of the federations at other parts of the world you see how so many of the players are involved at the at the the national team level and involved with the federations or whatever and playing key roles and making sure, you know, the, 
that that perspective of you know the high performance athletes are you know in the foreground but the csa has made a lot of decisions over the years that have been you know frustrating and this week i've had lots of opportunities to listen to former players talk about you know various points of frustration or disappointments or letdowns over the years so the csa historically i think is um has issues i think i also agree with steve that I, well, I really love this group of players. So what I'm about to say is kind of hard to say, but I, I am disappointed. And I'm not disappointed because I missed out on going to a game. Uh, that I don't care. Like my personal, you know, life plans being changed are insignificant in, in, in terms of this conversation. It's more, it's more the the mixed messages that was in their message, right? The whole like, Where's the money? And but we do this for the fans. There are some mixed messages to me in, in yes. their letter, um, and I think their approach of of going public. I realized why they did it. I realized they were leveraging all that they could. I I, I understand that. I think though I'm still I'm and 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 maybe as I know more, this will change. But in the moment, I'm just disappointed how this is. This is they've played a role also in tarnishing what is, is supposed to be the most special time in our, in our country's history mm -hmm. for football. I want to say something about the CSA now though. Sure. And this, I don't, I, I think, I think some people are saying this, but I think um, as, as many times as they've made poor decisions, I don't actually fault them for the decision they made in regards to Canadian soccer business and the Canadian Premier League. When you look what they what they did in 2018, 2019, um, they basically created guaranteed revenues from something that used to used to cost them money. That you that used yeah. to used we'll, to you we'll, know. We'll get into the CSP. Okay. We'll, yeah, we'll get into that later. Yeah, but yeah, late, so I, I don't. Anyways, I don't. I don't fully fault them for how they handled that part. But so I, I once it's one sense it feels weird to say this, but still in this moment, I still I think my bigger concern about with what happened in the last week is with the players. Yeah, I I was quite angry with the the players. I mean, I wasn't able to go to the game, so. It, didn't put me up nor down because I was commentating, so I was having to miss it anyway. But just, I felt it was very disrespectful to fans that had travelled, yeah. folk on my Facebook and my other social media, friends, acquaintances that had travelled from the island in the morning. They got on a ferry not knowing if they were going to see a game or not. I've heard stories of people that's come from the Yukon, from Alberta, that's come from out east, to call it off that late in the day, absolutely disrespectful. We'll get into the cancellation shortly. I want to dial it back to that Iran decision, first of all, because we haven't talked about it on the show. And as I mentioned, Zach and we had recorded a podcast where we, we did talk about the decision to play Iran. And my famous words that no one will hear from that yeah. podcast oh, yeah, there, yeah. There's no way they're going to cancel it this late in the day. Yeah. And then less than 12 hours after recording that, Steve, they cancelled it. So let's get your thoughts on that whole scenario from start to finish. So they, they picked Iran because it's it's helping 
America, because America's going to play them in the World Cup, whilst America played Morocco, who Canada is going to play in the World Cup. So it's a kind of helping each other out scenario. But they were also getting quality, world-class quality opposition, top 30 in the world team. And it was going to be a good test, a good World Cup prep. For the first week or so, nothing was really said about it. There's a couple of dissenting voices uh, about, the, obviously, plane tragedy and the folk that lost loved ones when it was shot down. But then it started to gain momentum, and then the politicians jumped on it, and then the bandwagon yeah. started. I think it started with a question to Trudeau. That's when it started. And yes. He, he didn't know too much about it, and he said, yeah, I'd be concerned about that. The, for me, the, the 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 biggest issue was that... Um, now, from what FIFA tells us, is that the government is not supposed to be involved in soccer federations. Yes. So if that's the case, then why... Why is the Soccer Federation of Iran being uh, singled out? Like, is there are, are people making an association with them? I didn't follow the full story what people were saying because I really don't care. Usually, what people say. Um, so I like like the thing is, it seems like people are saying that the government is funding the Iran soccer, which, which Canada is too, obviously, but they're yes. not associated. So the thing is, you got. I'm sure, and I and I think I heard this on the radio somewhere. Somebody mentioning it um, out east or whatever that people there. There's been you know artists from Iran that are performing in in Canada and other things that are happening in Canada that are Iranian or whatever. So the thing is, is these players that Iranian players have nothing to do with the government. The coaches should have nothing to do with the government. Maybe you know, maybe the people high up that they, they have to talk to government. But overall, this is not. Like for me, the cancellation should not have happened. Uh, like I understand that people lost loved ones and everything like that, uh, but there's a lot of other things that are have happened in the past where people you know have lost and the games go on and stuff like that. So for me, the people associating the Iran soccer team to the uh, to the government that was a mis that was off base for me. So that's why um, for me it was odd to me that it was cancelled. It's a slippery place. slope. I feel when you start saying we're not going to play that country for that reason. And some people I saw on Twitter, some people tagged me in conversations about this on Twitter saying, oh, well, but you, it's fine if they don't play Russia. And it's like, yeah, Russia is in an illegal war at the moment. At we're the moment, not at yeah. war with Iran. Yeah. And yeah, there was a tragedy and it was a terrible thing and no one's been brought to justice for it. And maybe I would feel different if it was one of my... No, I don't know if they have played. any like... Like those embargoes or whatever those things, I don't, I don't even, I don't even, I don't even check to see if they have that. Maybe if they have that, that's fine. Then maybe you can do that kind well, of stuff. Well, I mean, but... there's sanctions against Iran that all the yeah. G8 countries and stuff are doing. But it's for for me, you do have to separate sport because what happens if in 2026 Iran have qualified for the World yeah. Cup? Yeah, exactly. And they're drawn in Canadian groups. Are you going to not not let them come into the country? Yeah, Which so for me, it's a slippery slope. Yeah, for me, it was there. There wasn't a direct correlation between the government and the, the and that's who's obviously people are accusing of um, taking down the plane and everything like that, and and the actual federation. I, I, there had been some folks saying that the Revolutionary Guard would be traveling with them, and obviously they're thought of as in many countries as a terrorist organization and everything like that, but. Well, it if just, that's the case, then you then you cancel it for sure. Yeah, but I mean, yeah. If, then 
the, you don't the visas, offer the visas. The, the visas may or may not have even been approved. We don't know yeah. because nobody yeah. seemed to know. But th- this is one of the transparency things, Zach. Nobody n- still knows who invited Iran in the first place. And at Nick Bontis's press conference on Sunday, someone mentioned about Iran and he's like, oh, well, we, we've covered that and that matter's closed now. And it's like, it's not. You have never sat down in front of the media and talked about the decision, A, to invite them, B, how it all played out, and C, to cancel it. That's never been addressed. Whereas Canada Soccer seems to think they have addressed that. Now, I know we obviously did talk about it on this extra podcast, but no one's heard our thoughts. So what is your, your thoughts on the whole thing with, with this around this match? Should it have been cancelled? Yeah, that was a, definitely a dis- one of the disappointing elements in the Nick Bontis, uh, Earl Cochran uh, press conference. Uh, Enough many for me. Uh, I, I actually think if you want to have issues with the CSA, uh, and again, we don't know anything, uh, but from the things from things that I've heard, is that uh, talk. I mean, uh, Iran was not the ideal opponent. It was kind of more like a secondary choice who one was going to the world cup two was a better quality than you know playing someone from Concacaf again and three uh would sell lots of tickets yes which it most certainly did yeah so but the thing i'm frustrated at is supposedly uh talks broke down with tunisia and i this is not verified information so yes this is speculation or you know based on hearsay or based on other people but my understanding is, you know, the Iran deal was $400,000 and things broke down with Tunisia because Tunisia was more in the range of a million dollars. And so... Whereas now Iran might be suing Canada Soccer, if you believe what's coming out from the Iranian press, for, for $10 million. million. Exactly. So it, if, that was, if that decision was taken, Tunisia over Iran because of $600,000, that one, I think, should be clarified. Two, if that was the decision, there should be uh, it should be known why why th- that that six hundred thousand dollars extra wasn't spent when yes Tunisia would theoretically draw less to you know tickets yeah sold, I would think but, considerably less but but however they would seemingly be a far better opponent for John Herdman and his players to play a fellow North African. Uh, side to prepare for Morocco so it, it I mean that's where I think people that's the kind of issue if it's true that I think people can have with the CSA and how they're run now another part of that equation or that questioning is what was the Iran route taken because it costs us money and they make more only or was it literally Hey, at this moment we can't afford an extra to pay an extra six hundred thousand dollar to a team that is likely not to draw. You know, not to sell a BC place. Might might get half a BC place full or the lower bowl or whatever. So um, that's like that's where that's. I mean, that's the issue for me. The Iran game being canceled. I think, like I said earlier, in the end, uh, although I don't disagree with anything you guys said in terms of some of these other. Uh, you know other, you know other things, and the team doesn't necessarily represent the the military who you know committed this heinous act or, or whatever. Um, I don't disagree with those things. However, I think probably in this case, I think it, it, I don't, 
I don't begrudge them canceling it. And uh, correct me if I'm wrong. One of the things we heard was that the players weren't going to play in that game. And originally I heard that it was because, because it was Iran it had nothing to do with these, um, you know, the contract issues. Yeah, that's one of the things that's come out since that they weren't keen to play the game. Well, well, yeah, and it, yeah, I well, it came out pretty close. I heard it like the day of or the day after or whatever, right? Oh, I I heard it quite late in the day then. No, no, I, yeah, I heard it. I heard it pretty close to, anyways, to the announcement. But uh, the, I I wonder if that sentiment was not so much related to the the Iran issues, but more so to the, the state of the the contract negotiations. Mm. Like the players, likely at that point already, were talking about, hey, are we we're not going to play. Because that was the friendly is the game they cannot. The friendly was the game they could, they could strike for. They can't yes. strike for to Thursday's game. Well, yeah, because that that's the thing. Because folk were like, "Oh, are they going to play on Thursday?" Yeah, they have to because it's a Concacaf official tournament. FIFA would get involved. It would have long, long consequences that could affect the twenty twenty six World Cup if they if they didn't play a game like that. Yeah, I mean, it, and let, let's be honest. They're not the only team that didn't turn up to play a game in the past week because Scotland yeah. didn't turn up for their game against U- Ukraine either. I thought you were going to talk about Jamaica. Off my own accord. Yeah, didn't they have issues this week too? I don't know. Actually, I've missed that. Oh, I thought they did. Well, they did play because Javine Bryan got a an assist, I believe. But anyway, that's a whole other thing. So. It was always going to be tough to get an opponent in this window because of all the other action that was going on around the world and they were going to have to, to pay money. And at Iran, if they could get them cheap and they were going to sell all that those tickets, they were going to make a fair fair profit from this game. And in the end, it, it got cancelled. They bowed down to the pressure. There were rumours going around that the visas hadn't even been issued to the Iranian players at that point as well. So, again, there's so much hearsay. We just don't have the transparency. But according to Canada Soccer, it's all been dealt with and we've discussed that and we've moved on. Well, we haven't. And they need to start answering some of these questions. So the search to find a replacement was on. I was surprised that that they found one, to, to be honest, Steve, at such short notice. And then when it was announced that it was Panama... It was pretty underwhelming, really, because it's like you've just yeah. played them twice, and it's another CONCACAF team. They're not exactly going to draw, and I was like, meh, I'm glad I'm not able to go to the game now. Yeah, I, essentially, um, I I think that even gave more fuel that, to the Canadian soccer players or something like that, that you know they didn't want to, that they, that this was game wasn't important at that point, mm. maybe, and it, it maybe even put them more in, in that position. Um, for me, yeah, it's it was very underwhelming the, the replacement. But when you're looking at a replacement that short notice, you're not expecting. Like I actually, I actually thought it might be even a lesser team that they would yeah. have played, maybe like a like a Caribbean team or something like that that they would have had to bring in. Um, I, I, so I could see it's like, like a Bermuda. The, yeah, <laughs> if the Whitecaps hadn't been playing the game on the Saturday, they would have probably sorted out a game against the Whitecaps or something. Yeah, or they could have brought two teams in, like Trinidad and Tobago. Well, there was, <laughs> there was that, um, uh, like that, that, that a concept of playing a CPL All Star team, yeah. like that was that was legit. It yeah, was, I thought it was just like a fan driven thing. No, there was there. Well, there was some conversations. There were some um, people trying to make it happen. That would have been fun. I yeah. think that would have been more entertaining for for me than seeing Panama. That like you, you've just seen them play and. 
I mean, it was going to be a game that was going to be used for a little bit of experimentation, trying some stuff out, having a look at some players. So that's gone out the window now. Now, the first murmurs of discontent came on Friday. I was obviously sick, so I wasn't able to get to any of the training anyway. But on Friday, training was meant to have taken place at 2.15 up at UBC. (laughs) Media went up there. Then they were told, oh, it's going to be 4.15. So they're all hanging around at the the training centre. And then at 4.30, someone starts to take all the equipment in. (laughs) And the media's like, what's going on? And then it's like, oh, it's been cancelled. Now, immediately, I thought, oh, there's probably been a COVID outbreak. Yeah. That's just what what you think about these days. But then on the Saturday, it came out that, no, the, the players had refused to train. And then they refused to train again on the Saturday. And then going into Sunday, it was all, uh, oh, will they play, won't they play? I've got to say, Sunday morning, with all that going on, I thought, there's no way they're not going to play. I mean, did either of you genuinely think, yeah, that game's not going to go ahead? I wasn't sure, honestly. I thought maybe it might, maybe it won't. I I did, like, it's hard to tell. And this is the thing, and... And I know I'm going to jump a little bit ahead uh, to the letter. Um, the thing is, is they they're talking about they've learning recently, like uh, that they're you know of all the details and stuff like that. Yeah, and and that's the thing that told me like how did this get so like accelerated so quickly? Like I, I think somebody said March or something. But they said they've been learned- trying to 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 talk to the big wigs from March, but then yeah, but see, that's had taken March. a vacation. That's only, that's only three months. Yeah. Like uh, that, that's what I'm talking about. Like when it, when it's that short time frame, I can't believe that they canceled a game based on that. That's the, that's my biggest thing. The three months, it's only been three months since you have been trying to talk to them. You understand that this is a federation that people take years to get things done. Like, like it's, it's amazing how, Slow. This is like a bureaucracy. There's like red tape everywhere. Um, just trying I mean, to I, squeeze through it. I think they should have started the talks way before March. That's one, well, yeah. one of the issues that, as well. But yeah, I mean, it's a, it's a short period to suddenly, as you say, it just it's escalated hell of a quick. Like if, if if like if, if if I'm like like my expectation would have been that if they learned this in March, uh, this would they would they would should, and maybe this is because they don't have good representation. I don't know, but they should they, they should have been. Uh, not like brought to this point where a game was canceled until next year. That's essentially like it should have taken a year for them to cancel. Yeah, but now, the, the, this now is all the, around the World Cup money though, so it has to yeah, get. Accelerated. I know, I I totally understand that, but the, the the like you don't like something comes up and then three months later it gets canceled. I'm yeah. I, I'm totally like that. That's shocking to me. Now the big difference, and I know there was talk about uh, a, a women's game. I think it was in Ottawa. That might have been cancelled, but that was a totally different thing. That wasn't about money. That was about like getting some stuff in, in the investigation getting going, right? So that's a totally different thing. So that I don't I don't like put those two in the same boat here. But for me, yeah, that's the that's my biggest thing. Three months is all it took for you to get from a point where you learned about something to getting a game cancelled. Well well, I a couple of things about that, Steve. I've heard some former players talk about how it's crazy for former Canadian men's national teams players, players talk about how it's crazy that none of like this wasn't sorted out before they started qualifying. Cause they said kind of in the past, all the bonuses and all what you would get was all sorted out like before they would start qualifying. 
So it's crazy that 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 wasn't known or talked about. The other thing, Steve, and this is total speculation, but it seems in the realm of possibility or seems like it's not a, a huge leap, right? You qualify in March and supposedly negotiations start around around that time or whatever but then what happens steve all the players go back to their clubs and you're alfonso davies at Bayern munich with several friends who are going to the world cup you're jonathan david yeah. you know you're at the all these big clubs around the world you're in turkey whatever you're you're ta- you start talking to your teammates about hey what is it what what it, you know what does qualifying for the world cup mean for you in your country yeah. and you hear about everything that it means for your you know, your European or South American teammates, and you're like, wait, what? We're not getting that. You know, and so I think, again, this is just, you know, guesstimating or whatever, but it's hard to believe that 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 didn't play a factor uh, in kind of escalating this or at least elevating the desires or the demands or the expectations of the players, right? Because, which, which to me, which to me is also crazy because, you know, if you're if you're Alfonso Davies and you're talking to your several teammates who play, for example, the German national team, you cannot then go to go to the CSA, which is a first, you know, is a de- is a developed nation, but in footballing sense, is the is a developing nation, and say, yeah. I expect to get what Germany is offering their players. Totally, yeah, that sounds a- crazy. Yeah, that's no, that's, how, but that's how I think it got to this. Yeah, I, I I think I agree. I, mean, I was going to bring that point up. It's apples and oranges when you compare yes. like mm-hmm. a Turkey or a, a, a France, because even like a Turkey, because the Turkey, yeah, they might not be uh, like a, a developed nation, like you said, like Canada is, but they're soccer fanatics. It's yeah. their number one sport, probably, or I'm assuming. Yeah, and so they, they, there's a lot of money plus. invested in there. Exactly. So for me, like, if that's the case, that even puts more of a black eye on the players that they tried to compare Canada, who, which is basically uh, almost like a toddler in the soccer world um, uh, uh, and, and comparing it to the bigger nations out there who are full-fledged, uh, you know, professional players. Or well, you also hit the nail on the head, Steve, when you said about the representation. Because yeah. like, who has been representing these players? Because obviously the, there isn't a players' union and there needs to be one. And yeah. I think this might now be something that tips more of the the players and pushing for for that but who's been doing the negotiating for them because it's come out today we're recording this wednesday night so it's come out today that the players have said they're going to have legal representation now yeah yeah so who yeah. was doing the negotiations for, on behalf of the players and i, and I don't want to i don't want to well i kind of do want to make light of it because it, it, it was I mean, it was funny to me when i and i saw the letter posted it just looked like a word document, basically. There was no letterhead, yeah. no nothing I, I like have that. I here yeah. just now. And yeah, yeah, and it was very plain. They didn't even change the font. It looked like so. It was like I was like, oh, boy, this is really ordinary, like a release or whatever. But Michael, the- Michael, you asked about you know, did you think you know on Saturday or whatever was the game in jeopardy? I didn't, even though I also got a message from someone who is friends with a, a player on the team saying, "Hey, the team has canceled." their appearance at the Whitecaps game on oh, Saturday yeah, told me that. because they're unhappy about the World Cups, the, you know, the World Cup, uh, you know, splitting of the World Cup pot. And so they're boycott, they're, they're protesting by not coming to the Whitecaps games, the Whitecaps game, the way they were scheduled to. But even at that point, I, yeah, even, uh, even it, that, 
even and that to I, me didn't I, mean that I would I, and I would have bought all of that I would have been fine with them canceling training not coming to the white caps making a like a, making a message about yeah, that not but then they should media they, not do but, promotional things all that yeah. stuff yeah and then yeah. and then but show up to the game like even yeah. what, what was it uh what country was it? El Salvador and I know it's World Cup qualifying so it's much different than a friendly but they were close to um not playing and they probably have bigger issues than what uh what what Canada's going to That is the thing and, it's and like, but they decided to play because it was for the nation. Yeah. I, I I'm not meaning this in any disrespectful way at all. But over the years when you've heard about these issues, it's been countries in Central America, Latin America, in Africa, and sometimes in South America, where the, the federations are very open to, to question as to exactly how they're run. When it happens to something like Canada, it is a bit more shocking in, yeah. in some regards as well. And 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 I'm not going to, and again, I don't want to be disrespectful to the players, but I've said this before, that players, for the most part, are not very bright. Because they, and it's well, not their fault. they're only learning about stuff it, from 2018 when it's been yeah. everywhere. And, 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 it's, and it's not their fault because they've been in a soccer, their their life is soccer. So they don't, they're, they're obviously very, the few of them went to college. Um, um, so they've been basically, and most likely even high school stuff, they, you know, if they were smart, they got through it. If they, they, they weren't that bright, they probably just got like barely through it. Uh, but the main, their main focus has been soccer all their life. So they haven't, and that's where I'm talking about the representation. Like, who was the one that led the charge in this? Mm-hmm. Uh, because it wasn't what they did was not a good, promising thing. Because it's 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 damaged their reputation, uh, but more importantly, it's it's damaged the, the reputation of soccer. And the fact that, and I understand that you know you have to put Dear Canada, but it sounded like like when you put Dear Canada, it sounded like it's like a Dear John letter. Like you're breaking up with your fans, basically. It, it was so they, even the that best. wasn't very good. Yeah. It, it was a very long, rambling letter at times. I, I know yeah. th- this is kind of coming across that we're we're really ragging on the players here, and, uh, and that's why, interesting because I didn't know where this this chat was no, going to go with us. And this, that's why at the beginning I wanted to mention that I I don't trust the Canada Soccer. Like I, I like I'm for, for the for most part I don't trust that organization and they, and and they they've been so for a long time just been reshuffling the deck chairs on the yeah. Titanic. It seems like. So for yeah. that, but but uh, saying that that it's just that I I don't disagree with what the players are saying, but it's the, the way they did it is my yeah. issue with them. I mean, I I should probably say I I back the players in this. I don't back how they went about it. Yeah, exactly. I'm backing the players for for their cause because in their letter, I'm not going to read it all because it's a very long letter. But a couple of bits that stand out. So that they're asking about where is the progression of Canadian soccer and where is the money so at least it didn't lead with where is the money because I think a lot of folks thinking oh just greedy soccer players wanting all this extra money then they go on to talk about the Canadian soccer business deal that was signed in 2018 and we'll come at that in a sec to end this part and then they say we want to work together with the organization but the relationship has been strained for years and like we've all spoken to former players and Zach you mentioned that earlier in the show that's it has been something that's been needed to, to a while. I, I love the line, though, that said, due to executives delaying the process and taking vacations. Now, we don't know who took those vacations. Side note, Nick Bontis' tan looked very nice, I, I thought, in the in the press conference. But 
but again, like, yeah, Nick Nick Montes, like, he's not paid for this, right? Like, this is so people keep telling me. Yeah, like, just, just as well because it, well, I, I'd like but, to see his his sort of performance review. Yeah, like for 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 the most part, I think all these people, while they're not getting paid for it, they get a lot of like freebies. Um, they get I, a lot did, of things paid for them, or to go yeah. places and stuff like that. And I did hear, I did read someone saying, if you look at some of the minutes, or you can go back and look at the minutes and the and the budgets and the like, the expenditure list, and and someone who, who was very pro player was concerned about expressing concern. If you go back in previous years and see how much is spent on bringing the board together to meet, mm. but again, part of that, I, I don't know if like maybe they're staying at the most expensive hotels or something, but. I guess part of it is when you're bringing people from, you know, if you know, Brittany's from out here, obviously, and most of them are from Ontario or, or sorry, some of them are from Ontario. So you got to get together to meet. So there are going to be costs, but yeah, is, but is that, yeah. How big of a perk is that? Right. If you're, you know, are they all flying like super, you know, first class and like staying in the most expensive hotels. Yeah. Maybe that needs to change, but I, I don't think any of them, sorry. I, I don't know how any of them would be getting rich off, you know, no, what they're doing. I, 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 don't think they are. So the the player's letter, it highlighted five things that going forward that, that they felt they needed. Just want to touch on one to end this part, which was the very first point that they raised, which was transparency and a review of the Canadian soccer business agreement. So we'll, we'll try and keep this bit a little bit brief. Um, so Canada Soccer signed a deal in 2018 with Canada Soccer Business. Canada Soccer Business, to my understanding, is owned and run by the the owners of the CPL teams. And under that agreement, Canada Soccer Business are the ones that negotiate the media deals and everything that goes with that. And the media deal was with Media Pro, which was a 10-year deal, which includes the Canadian Premier League, and it includes all the international games that the Canadian men and women's team play. It's then up to Media Pro if they want to sublet those deals, so to speak. And basically, if TSN said, oh, we want to show that game, they have to pay Media Pro. So Canada Soccer don't see any of that money. But in return, Canada Soccer have received a lump sum payment, or maybe not a lump sum payment, but they've got a guaranteed payment for 10 years. At the end of that 10 years, my understanding is Canada Soccer Business also have a 10-year option to extend the deal. Now, I see pros and cons of that deal. And there was a lot of things that Gareth Wheeler said on Sunday on One Soccer that were very infuriating. And I I thought I'd accidentally tuned into North Korea soccer when I had tuned into the messages that were coming out of it at one point. But he was right in saying, back in 2018, nobody wanted to show these Canadian games on the telly. Canada soccer had to pay for the games to get on TV, just like the Whitecaps had had to pay to get broadcasting in the the past on the radio and, and various deals. The demand for soccer was not massive. We're all soccer fans. We love it. We want to watch it. But it's not a moneymaker for the big TV stations. Let's be brutally honest here. So a company came in 
and fair play to MediaPro for doing that, investing in Canada soccer. But it was a short-sighted move in many ways by the CSA to sign a deal for Salong when you know that in that period the World Cup is going to be in North America where the interest in the game, even if we hadn't qualified for this World Cup, over the next four years, the excitement and the interest in football in this country was just going to get blown out of the water as we approach World Cup 2026. But that was that's the whole part of the deal, though, Michael. You had people paying for something that previously you couldn't give away. In fact, you had to pay for other people to do it. So what the what CSB was doing was, or what the Canadian Soccer Association did was, they mortgaged the present for a brighter future. Yes. Right. And and so I, I don't. Again, I at this moment, not knowing any of of the more concrete elements of the of the agreement, I don't fault them for that. They they took something that was a a a, a net negative for them and turned it into into revenue. Like it, it well, seems it, Canadian it, soccer business issued their own statement and they they've said that they've already invested tens of millions of dollars into Canadian soccer and they're going to continue to invest millions more. But they said that they are also wanting transparency as well, because the question like I, I, I'm not faulting Canada soccer in the most part for signing that deal. Ten years in, with hindsight does seem a, a, a long time. But I do get that that is why the deal was done, because what is in it for Media Pro otherwise? But the big question is, where has all this money gone that they've been investing? No, but okay, so that's the other part. And I can't give you a reference for the article, but when the deal was signed, $200 million over 10 years, essentially $20 million a year for 10 years, it was said that that wasn't all cash, that that included like Media Pro's cost of like setting everything up of their you know getting their infrastructure and you know um their trucks and their equipment and all that kind of stuff so it was never my understanding was it was never like hey they're getting 20 million dollars in cash every year it was it was it was opaque well it yeah because not- i mean obviously kurt larson doesn't come cheap oh come on. let's let's please Are we talking <laughs> about wheeler and that guy on the show come on um no, so it would be nice to have transparency around that, yeah. and and I think maybe maybe we will get that in the, in the days ahead. But also the other thing about about this being not, in my opinion, not a bad business decision at the time by the Canadian Soccer Association. This is 2018, man. Mm-hmm. Alfonso Davy was not a star at Bayern Munich. Very few people knew knew who Jonathan David was. Estacchio, I think, was just getting you know getting involved with the Canadian team. Like, no one, no one other than maybe Herdman or like, you know, Voyageurs thought thought that there's any chance Canada's going to be in the 2022 World Cup. Yeah, I mean, like, Lucas like, Cavallini was just an armoured vehicle. He wasn't even a tank by that point. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Um, I, I would agree with that, too. I would even say that, you know, you say 2018. I would say up to, like, maybe, what was it? When did exactly. qualification qualification yeah. start last year? September. September. None of us thought that they were going to be in the World Cup at that point. They thought, oh, maybe they get to the fourth spot and then yeah, they get, yeah, get my playoff. playoff game. Yeah, exactly. So, uh, like, I would even put it up to there that you know we didn't. This this has been uh, the 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 rise of the Can- Men's Canadian Soccer Team 
other than they're you know escalating from March to now to cancel the game, that's been a, the biggest rise in anything in Canadian soccer. The only the only one sorry one of the only valid critiques I see of at this time of the deal between the, the CSA and CSB is that I think the CSA is doing this for the betterment of the game as a whole in the country. They were doing it to secure some revenues, you know, removing some of these expenditures that they had to having getting pay for games on TV. But ultimately, I think it's a fair question to say, how does a not-for-profit organization that is only about the betterment of the game uh, make a deal with a, 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 a company that is for profit and long-term is about making money for themselves? Mm-hmm. Like that's the, I, I see a, a fair critique there, but I still think from a business sense, it was a it was a good deal for them. And I think the other thing is I think it really sustained them or at least help sustain them during the pandemic. Again, yeah. without knowing CPL. how they yeah, get all their other money. They've got that money in. Yeah, yeah and I, mean, I think it, I think it was made uh, essentially as a backup in case like the CPL did not jump, uh, you know, oh, start the way they wanted to. C- as well. CSB, yeah, for the owners, yes, CSB. If we we've said this before, is the equivalent of some, yeah. like C, CSB yeah, yeah. is to the CPL as some is to MLS. I was, too- I was explaining to that. I I was on Jackson Feltz's radio show down in Seattle, and then off air we were just chatting about everything, and I was explaining to him that the CSB is basically our sum. Yeah, and he's like, "Oh, I didn't know that." Cause yeah, he, cause to because to a lot of Americans, they're just seeing this for the first time, and they're like, "What? what is, what's all this?" Yeah, and and so again, as we've talked about many times when we talk about the Canadian Premier League, they are trying to look at what the Americans, the USSF, MLS, what they did, uh, look at what they did, and take the best parts of that and replicate mm-hmm. it and or do it better. And so, some, as we've talked about many times, if you're an MLS owner, some is the reason why you're in the game. Right. If you're an investor, if you if you don't care about football, it's because you can lose you can write off the operational costs if you're losing money on the football side and while making you know millions or tens of millions from some. Yeah. I mean, ultimately, at that time it was a good deal and it got the CPL started. For, for any criticisms that you can give to, to one soccer, they've invested heavily in the Canadian game. They've given an outlet for all these teams and players to be seen, and they've got to be commended for that. But it does leave you wondering, just where has that that money gone? So we've got CSA, we've got CSB. A lot of folk will say that this whole weekend there's been a lot of CSCs probably as well. But we'll talk a little bit more about Canada soccer where does this leave everything, the perception of it, and what might need to change in the infrastructure and the leadership of this game? We'll be back with all of that after this. This is Atiba Hutchinson, and you're listening to the AFTN Show.
Welcome back to the AFTN Soccer Show on CITR Radio 101.9 FM. And kicking off this part, it's our new Artist of the Month here at AFTN for the month of June from Brooklyn, USA. Three-piece band called Thick. That is a song taken from their debut album, 2020's Five Years Behind. That was Sleeping Through the Weekend which is, of course, what I did for most of the weekend with all my COVID symptoms, which might have been actually got by going to see the band Thick as they played at the Hollywood Theatre in Vancouver just when, about when, two weeks ago now. When did that band form? The first single came out in 2016. Oh, okay. I was wondering because I saw that you the way you spell it, I thought it might be spelled differently. Like the cool way to do it, the, ah. T-H-I-C-C or something like that. Yeah, no, 2016, I believe. So, very but, good band. There was there was three bands all on the bill. It was headlined by The Chats, our former Artist of the Month here at AFTN. Really looking forward to, to seeing them. But for me, Thick were the best band on it. They blew me away. When I'd seen that they were the support, I, I'd started to listen to a lot of their stuff. And I thought, oh, I re- really, really, really like this band. Got their CD at the show. We're going to have another song from them later on. If you want to check it out, you can check out their official website on thick.band. And yeah, we'll be playing their debut single from 2016 to kick off the new part. So hope you enjoy them. We've got some good songs to come from them this month. So that was Sleeping Through the Weekend. And you could have slept through the weekend and, and... not had to worry about missing a a Canada soccer game because obviously that did not take place on Sunday here in Vancouver. What did take place though at BC Place was what came across as a rather unhinged press conference from CSA President Nick Bontis. I genuinely came away from watching that thinking... If he speaks to the players the way that he spoke in that press conference, they've every right to walk out. And if Daniel Henry wanted to give her a little punch along the way, I, I wouldn't put anything past them, really. What did you think when you saw that, first of all, Steve? I I could not believe what a car crash that was. Yeah, his bedside manner wasn't that great. Being No, yeah, I, like I wouldn't want him to be my doctor. Yeah, uh, I, yeah I think... I think he's just obviously clearly not the his it's the skills he has uh definitely don't come to like um uh, answering questions. No, he was rattled. Uh, he was yeah. very frazzled in that. So that's where sometimes you want to have somebody in that position that can actually I think I think we've had a couple of guys before that have been better. I think Montagliani obviously was better at yeah. taking questions when he did take questions. And uh who's the metrop- we- metropoly? Montopoli, and then there was yeah. a Steve, somebody. Yeah, so Nick, doc, uh, Dr. Bontis. Dr. I, Nick. I, yeah, Dr. Nick. <laughs> Nick Stephen, <laughs> Stephen Reed is the other guy. That was, he, that was he should have he should have came into the press conference like that the way Doctor Nick. Hi, comes I'm Doctor Nick. Yeah, hello everybody. Hey, Doctor Nick. <laughs> um, so yeah, um, I, I I would say that he definitely. Uh, I think they should bring somebody in, not not as a new president, but like somebody that can handle the media a little bit better. Yeah, I I don't think they should be putting him in in front of the cameras anytime soon. But I mean, Zach, his tone from start to finish was not great. Um, do you disagree? Did you well, like it? I didn't like it, and I don't want to sound like a CSA apologist by I any stretch. You are so far, but no, like I. 
I mean, I, I, I stand by the fact that I think that the deal they made with CBSB was good. I, I read comments before I saw it. Like, I wasn't watching live. Um, so yeah, I, I didn't see com- it till I got back from my commentating. It was I, the first I read thing some, I watched when I got home. I read some comments on Twitter, and I thought, oh, this is horrendous. And then I, I watched it, and I was like, there's things that weren't good, for sure. I think I think that, um, I think that he went into it emotionally. Which was probably not the the best approach. I I I, I didn't find, I didn't wasn't that put off by the way he talked. Uh, I, I, really? I don't know. I think it was it was because you were set up by Twitter that it was so bad that you went. Yeah, maybe that's maybe, maybe yeah. yeah. Maybe I had this over over expectation and I was like, oh, that wasn't all that. I just that didn't bad. like his but, his tone throughout. Like from the very first thing where it was, it, it was like. One of those, when, when businesses go up, when there's been a, a bad incident or there's been a racist incident, and they're like, we are truly sorry, and you do not deserve this. And But then he was, it just felt like he was ranting and just, he'd lost control. Well, because I think yeah. the the whole thing is you made sure that the beginning was apologetic because he, he knew that was probably the parts that are going to be clipped by the media, mm. uh, the mainstream media. Yeah, because so we do have very short-term... Yeah, and so and, and, he, and as you, it's he probably knows that not very many people are gonna, um, uh, you know, watch the whole thing through. Well, it's like so when, we, when we clip stuff for the show, we often like from White Cats press conferences just take the the first little bits. Or the ones we ask questions of. Oh yeah. <laughs> the the one thing is he did make me feel like I I could maybe one day work for the CSA because apparently one of the I mean as long as you're passionate about the game. <laughs> yeah. like i was surprised that he kept on repeating that how, how passionate him and earl are about the game I, I have to admit earl i have like negative um like ptsd of earl just because he was like he was involved with tf tfc yeah. and, like the beginning of the beginning of their mls uh, you know incarnation or their they're but starting they, just a worldwide but... search and they yeah. settled on earl yeah that reminds me of another organization yeah. that used to do that kind of stuff um yeah, I, I don't. Know. I, I obviously, yeah, it wasn't. It wasn't. It wasn't great. It, w- it wasn't good. But um, I, I mean, the, the things that actually bothered me more were things like, "Hey, we're here. We have our phones. We want to meet face to face. Blah blah blah. All that kind of stuff." When it's like, if you really want to meet, you just you go meet. Like, mm-hmm. why are you sitting waiting for them to call? Like, you want to get something done. I don't know. I heard crazy, unsubstantiated, crazy things about some of their their brief negotiations leading up to the game and it not happening and stuff. But yeah, the whole, like, you know, we want to meet face to face and we're waiting, we're in our hotel room waiting for them to call. And it's like, dude, you're in the same hotel. Just go talk. If you really want to get something down, done, just go and like, get it done. I don't know. And, and, and we live in a world where you can do negotiations via zoom. Mm-hmm. now face to face like there are uh, teams or whatever you want to call it like it, it, they could have even started talking on friday they don't have to you don't have to be in the same city to talk about what's going on so that's what was but, but actually i didn't mind that i didn't mind that steve when he said you know you can't get you don't always get tone or you don't always get uh listen like it's, it's not if, quite it, the if, same. if it's it's about the game getting canceled you you don't worry about tone and you get on the on the phone or yeah face to face on yeah. zoom or whatever but right i think away. i think i think he was also trying to sympathize with the players who said you know we haven't been able to have you know face-to-face discussions because people haven't been around or whatever but yeah also, also it should be pointed out bontis has spoken before uh anti-union yes i've heard about closed that door conferences and stuff so yeah that doesn't 
align him for a player thinking, oh, I'm going to get a fair shake of the, the stick here. So apparently they, they met on Sunday, but then you heard he left on Monday morning, right? He left on Monday morning. Um, Did you hear now, why? One of, one of the reports that came out from Gareth Wheeler was that his family and his house had been kind of under attack after yeah. stuff, which That's does cross a line and is terrible. And yeah. is that for all you, you think, well, for all I think that I thought he did a terrible job in that press conference, you don't do something like that. That no. is just taking it to a, a whole, whole different I thought, level. Because I heard the news separate separate times, so I was like, how can he say he wants to meet face-to-face, have one meeting, and then leave? And then later I heard the report that... I yeah. mean, that, that that is shocking, if that was the case. But he did say some things in it, which, again, this is where it all comes down to transparency, because... Nobody actually knows what the players' demands are. Gareth Wheeler put out his thoughts on that one soccer thing that he was doing, but the players have never confirmed what their demands are. But Bontis said, holding up a very battered piece of paper during the press conference, it looked like something had been spilt on it. It wasn't in very good condition. That, if they had only the men's team and only the women's team and no beach soccer, which was maybe not a good example to try and give, because we'll be like, yeah, I'm fine with that. <laughs> um, no no futsal, no para stuff, no training for referees, which surprised me. I didn't know they got trained. <laughs> and all that other kind of development that they do, they still could not afford what the, the players were looking for. And then someone pointed out, but if you hadn't qualified for the World Cup, you'd still have to pay for all those programs anyway. Yeah. So this is, they're talking about the World Cup money, the extra money, not the money that's already in your budget. Exactly. That's that's where it came up odd. Um, concerning that piece of paper, I, it kind of looked very similar to the stuff that MLS uh, makes the rules on. Mm-hmm. Uh, I found that funny. <laughs> I thought I saw uh, a new allocated money somewhere written on there. Yeah, I, 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 for me, it was just like, uh, again, uh, obviously, clearly it was a rushed, even though they had a lot of time to prepare, I thought. Uh, but it seemed like a rushed uh, press conference, and he wasn't prepared for it. Essentially, he was prepared for the beginning, uh, but then once the questions came flying in, that's when he probably got flustered. Yeah, um, and I, again, it was limited questions, and there was people on the Zoom call, um, yeah. including Westwood Westhead from uh, Westhead from TSN. That he's the, he's had, the one that broke the he news. He broke mostly. it, had his hand yeah. up to ask a question and then just did not go to him. But having taken part in a number of CSA Zoom calls, I stand there with my hand up constantly from the from the start as well and never get picked. So I felt the affinity there with him. You should probably send an email to them. Yeah. But then you just get an email back telling you to call. That, that's, oh, okay. that's part of the, the <laughs> issue as well. To, to cut ahead... The game against Curacao is, is going on. Yeah. Um, Errol Cochran seems to feel that negotiations with the players had gone very well over the last couple of days. Tima Hutchison didn't give that same glowing impression when he spoke to media. He was the only player to have spoken to the media since all this started on Friday. And it was an emotional time and it is tough to go up. And John Herdman spoke today and was quite emotional about it all. Mm-hmm. But... The, the fallout from it is the Curacao game is going ahead, and it had to because then FIFA would have got involved if it didn't. But what does this do to the perception of the team and to the perception of Kansas soccer to the general Canadian public, would you say? 
Oh, it's not good. Uh, I don't know about you guys, but I many, 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 many people have, you know, first thing they said to me when they've seen me is like, hey, what's going on? Well, you know, and these are people who are like ice hockey people or whatever, not sports people. They, they know that there's a problem. You know, I saw my father-in-law, you know, that day or whatever. He's like, what's the deal? Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, what, what, do we, what do we not know? And, and people texting and messaging and like being like, what is happening here? Why is this such a fiasco? Um, I, it, it, I only I think, know football people, so I've not, I've not had. Yeah. No, so, but yeah, and even football people have been messaging me, like, you know, supporter people have been like, hey, what, what's, yeah, so the perception is awful. It is, you know, if, if they were on cloud nine, you know, on March 27th, like it, 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 it they've fallen pretty far since then. Yeah, um, for me, like, this is definitely uh, probably knocked out a few people that were maybe on the fringe. I, I know the people that are, you know, long-term or the people that have supported during this period probably will not be affected. You know, they'll still, you know, come to games or something like that, but the fringe people are definitely uh, on the fence at this point. I was uh, watching um, like a a sports show on TV that comes on TV um, and they, they rarely lead with soccer, but they led with soccer in this case. And they even read some people's comments. And for the most part, people were like, you know, I'm not a soccer fan, but I was planning on maybe going to the game. And after this, I'll probably never go again. I'm not even going to attempt it. Um, I That could be the case that it's a legitimate thing. Because sometimes these people yeah. just write write these letters into the thing just to yeah. make sure to be as vicious as possible so they can get read on the air. So, yeah, I, uh, for me, definitely, you can tell at that point, once you get, and th- this all comes to being uh, like, you know, if it's a local sports team, like a city team, like, you know, your city team, the Whitecaps, Toronto, if that gets canceled, you know, people will, you know, muddle around or, or whatever with that. They'll blame somebody and they'll end up going to the, when it's a national team. Uh, people are a little bit different. Like, it, like this is a this is a city. And I know it's a long time ago. You guys might not know this, but in 72, playing the Russians and not playing a very well game, they were booed off the ice and the, during the 72 series. And that was the fourth game, the last game in Canada before they moved to Russia for the, the second set of four games. And so they were booed off the ice, and and a player actually uh, like on the air told them <laughs> told these like told the fans off basically about what you know or or to this extent. So yeah, um, like Vancouver fans are very um, uh, over the years have been very like the, when something doesn't go right, they will usually stop uh, their support. I mean, on the uh, on the upside, at least maybe Max Cropo won't be starting and <laughs> he won't get moved by. <laughs> yeah, that's true. That was, that was one of the other things we talked about on, on our non-existent extra show. I mean, it, it made CTV News. Vancouver was one of the lead stories on that. I, I watched that that night and it was kind of heartbreaking because they spoke to a guy that travelled all the way from PEI and mm. he'd wanted to, to watch the Canadian national team and he'd come to, to do this trip and I f- so felt for him. And then there was a family that had driven from the Okanagan and it was a husband, wife and two kids. And how do you explain to the kids exactly why you're now not seeing your, your, your favorite stars? It's, it's a, it's a tough sell. And for the Vancouver market, if we wanted to use business terms, I know Zach hates me when I talk about markets, but You've now had two cancelled games. So you've got folks sitting waiting for refunds for two cancelled games. 
And then they tried to make it up to people by offering people that had a, a ticket for Sunday the chance to get 75% off the game on Thursday, which won't have helped a lot of people that already had a ticket for yeah. Thursday's game, for one thing. And yeah. I, I would think a lot of the diehards are going to yeah. have tickets for both games. So that didn't help them. Then I, I tweeted about that, and so many people were replying going, yeah, the code doesn't even work to get the 75% off, for one thing. Um, and then there was a buy one, get one ticket offer that was going around as well. Yeah. So it's like, what is the incentive then to to buy your tickets early? I know for the Voyager section, they're special tickets, it's limited tickets, etc., etc. But there's not exactly an incentive now for people to rush and get these games to sell out. And as Steve it, said, folk in this in this market now will be they'll be wary of buying tickets. They just won't. <laughs> they just won't yeah, they'll all. just have to. Ah, I've had enough. Yeah, it, it, there is something aside from this stuff. There is something weird going on where, um, in the supporter community across, maybe not holistically, but in more than one place in the country, where it actually the qualifying feels like it's a like I, I one longtime supporter. I messaged like, "Hey, are you going to any of these games?" And they're like, "No." They have, I've, ever since we've qualified, I have this like strange desire just not to go to the games anymore. It's like we accomplished something that I never thought we would and. I don't, wow. it's really weird. And then I talk to other people who are, you know, connected across the country. And there is something I think weird happening where there's the, now that this has happened or whatever the, or now that the, you know, this has been achieved, the engagement isn't quite where it has been. Now that is not the same in like CPL communities, but definitely in the, in the large three MLS communities, for sure. If you had asked the Voyagers about ticket sales for, not just um, th these games, but even I know the game in Toronto for the women's team is not what they would have thought it would have been. Um, you know, and there are there are factors there are factors like cost and like you know uh, here now it, you know it's just starting, but you know this the, there is the whole thing we talked about a while ago, Michael, with you know this year starting you know the super saturation of you know League One and MLS and yeah. CPL on the island and all that kind of stuff. I think there's yeah. a lot of football on. And I mean, just this past weekend, there was League One BC games on Friday. On Sunday, you had Whitecaps 2 on Sunday. You had meant to be the Canada game on Sunday. You had the Whitecaps MLS on the Saturday. Yeah. It's a lot of money for, for people to shell out. Going back to the players' letter, there was the five things that they were looking for to go forward. Transparency and a review of the Canadian Soccer Business Agreement. So we, we, we've touched on that. And there does need to be transparency and everyone wants to know what's paid where's the money going what's it being used for everything like that they want a leadership team that can optimize this moment and generate revenue from corporate sponsorship that should be used to drive the game forward at all levels for years to come grassroots youth para and senior programs now again though can't business they didn't mention the beach football no i i don't think anyone really cares about well, this is the problem, though, Michael. Is part of the part of the reason why you do a deal with the CSB is because I think they handle a bunch of that, getting yeah, the sponsors and stuff. They do. Yeah. So, so it, it, it when you when I've heard other people talking about it, it's very, very much reminded me of of the situation with the white caps and player acquisition, where you can create your own in house 
um, scouting and, you know, prayer recruitment department, including analytics and whatever else you want, or you can work with a, an, an agency that you trust. And in one sense, it feels a little bit and not on the shady side that some people might think of, but um, I think this feels a little bit like that, right? The CSA went with an easier option that will cost them less money and like, a, you know, guarantee them some money now um, or, you know, a guaranteed amount of money or whatever over a period of time, um, as opposed to um, developing their own department that would work at bringing in, you know, big sponsorship dollars from x y or z i've also heard this, this is a time when all these businesses want to be involved with the national or they should be yeah yeah i've also yeah, heard should be. i've also heard concerns over again without maybe unsub these are unsubstantiated concerns but from people closer to things than maybe we are um that uh there there there's great concern over like what the, what the deal with nike is for the national team and how is it is it actually creating revenue or is yeah, it just people just haven't been able to get the jerseys well, that, i know a, i know at least five people that's had their orders for jerseys cancelled yeah but that's i think partly due to the pandemic and whatever yeah but also we apparently are one of the countries that's not bringing out a world cup jersey oh right i think it's you told what, me that what i've heard as well which seems yeah. a big lost revenue opportunity. Yeah, it seems very Surely we'd all want one and it's... But again, what what is in that deal? I mean, you're talking about transparency. What is in that deal with Nike? Does it actually generate any or much money? Mm. Or is it more just they give us all our supplies and, and you know... But that's, I wonder that's how it. much of this will be. It's like, oh, it's non-disclosure. We can't give this out, so we can't have that trans transparency. Yeah, that's true. I mean, another thing is they want an equitable structure with our women's national team that shares the same player match fees, percentage of prize money earned at our respective World Cups, and the development of a women's domestic league. And I think the players on the men's side thought that that was a good thing that they were saying until the women came out and issued a statement. Sunday was statement day, saying, yeah, yeah I don't think that that equitable structure is quite what the men are thinking it is yeah so obviously the prize money at the men's world cup stratospheric compared to the prize money at the women's world yeah, cup it is yeah and so they the women don't want the same percentage they, they basically pay. the women it, it's it's interesting because it was almost like the men tried to on the surface do what the men and the women in the states did where the women then came back and said no we want in actuality what they're doing in the, in the states yeah. where it's one pool Women's World Cup money goes in with men's World Cup money, and then it's divided, and it's not equal percentages, it's equal dollars. Yep. Um, World Cup compensation, which is primarily, I think, where a lot of this is going around. So they want 40% of prize money and a comprehensive friends and family package for the 2022 FIFA World Cup. Because one of the things that was mentioned was they were only able to bring two players with them or two no, not not, not bring they were going to be given two tickets for family that was it yeah um, but then nick bontis has said that wasn't even part of the discussions before so i don't know did they just sneak that in but 40 percent of the prize money is basically what the csa are saying that they can't afford but this is extra money and there's been figures getting put out there today that every country that's going to be at the world cup it's going to be like 10 million dollars steve that they get as a prize pot, and the players want 40% of that. 
But Manuel Veth came out tonight and said that just is scratching the seems, tip of the iceberg. It could that seems to low to me. Yeah, it could be up to that's, 25 million. That always, when, when I heard that number, that could, that's that's all they're getting, 10 million? That seems so low, like yeah. each country. So, uh, yeah, I, that didn't seem 15 right. 15 to 25 million is what you're I, talking about. I, I would say that uh, what Manuel put out there, I would say the higher number is probably more likely. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, of course, uh, actually, it's the same number of countries from the last, like, next Next World Cup, the 2026 one, might be a little bit less because uh, there's more teams in it. So it obviously gets divided. Yeah, uh, and by 2030, it's like if you're not qualified for the World Cup, you'll be one of the probably minimum countries in the world because it'll be like 128-team World Cup or something by that point. Yeah, yeah, so for me, the the number, the 10... The ten million seemed low, yeah. so maybe maybe that's just that's another thing the CSA is trying to hide from the players or yeah. something like that. That was so they, they of money want forty percent. CSA seems to be thirty. Yeah, but here's here's the thing. My understanding is that part of the problem with this is that I think it's the CSA is thirty percent to the men, thirty percent to the women, forty percent to the association. Whereas the men are saying 40% for us, which then means 40% for the women, which then means 20% for the association. Mm-hmm. And on top of that, I th- my understanding is um, there is a desire from the players for what they get to be uh, the CSA, either to pay the tax or to make sure that they don't have to pay tax on it, which, okay, that's a, maybe another conversation. But the... Um, uh, well, what was the other element to this? Um, yeah, the tax-free, 40, 40, 20. Oh, yeah, I know what I was going to say. I think, I th- and again, one of the things that Bontis and, and Cochran didn't do well necessarily because maybe it's not the time or whatever, but, you know, in, in the name of transparency, yeah, they were talking about all these other, other things, but I think, excuse me, what the CSA is doing with the money that they get uh, from this that they want to keep for the organization is is reinvest into those programs, but also supposedly to reinvest in things like this new National Training Center in Vaughan, Ontario, right? So I think it's when people are like, oh, what do they need that money for? I think it's them saying, we are going to use this to continue to further develop the game to grow the next generation of, of players. And one of those things is this... Uh, is this uh, national, uh, you know, player center or, or development center in Vaughan? Yeah, we, we won't talk too much more about this because there is a lot more that we could say, but we'll, we'll kind of wrap it up a little bit now. It's maybe going to be hard to keep this last little bit short because it's like what needs to change in Canada soccer? So the final thing that the players were looking for were more former players involved. And I, I feel... You have to have that. It's got to be more ex-players involved. There needs to be more transparency. But they've also got to be easier to deal with. Now, I, I can only come from this from a media side. The media hate dealing with the CSA, and they have for years. And they're, they're not easy to deal with. You send emails, and you get an email back saying, oh, call me. And then you call and they haven't even read the email that you've sent to begin with and you've got to just go through everything again. Now, that's just a very small thing that to most folks going to be like, so how, how does that affect us? But that's just kind of like the dysfunction and the way that they example. run. It's an yeah. example. of the, and, and it's been like this for like uh, 
um, uh, like arranging interviews and, yes. and stuff in the past. Too oh, yeah, as well. because y- years ago, you could get one-on-ones no problem. But now that both teams are very successful, yeah. there's, n- there's no one-on-ones. And on, on the press conferences, it's like a running joke. We know who's going to get picked and in what order to ask yeah, the questions. Exactly. It's the same people. It's the same message that's getting over. And then... And then they'll cut off the questions. Yeah, they'll cut off the questions. Or the CSA representative will ask a bunch of questions himself because it's a message that they want to get over. Yeah. Uh, training's a, a, a pain in the ass to try and, and go and see and you're kept outside and you're kept hanging about. So there's that side of it. So because of that, the media's never really been on CSA's side for years. And I think that's led to a lot of the, the bad press that they've got in the last couple of oh. days as well. So I want to go over the the part the one part that they said the more ex players being involved. The thing is, I I don't I can't speak to the other parts of the world. Uh, so you get, but I'm talking about like um, North American sports when ex players get involved on the management side or the ownership side of or, you know or I don't know if they get in the federation side, they become actually less connected with the players. They actually get, kind of get absolved like like absorbed or should I say by the ownership. Like they become that side and so they're like it's it's odd that they like they think that that's going to resolve the issue now this could be different from uh soccer federations around the world I mean, you guys probably know more about that when ex-players get involved do they is it better um uh communication with the players better you know yeah i mean it's, it's hard to say i think in theory you think it would be and the players are going to think oh well an ex-player is going to take our side and and all these yeah. kind of things it's but not, not always necessarily the case. No, because then that player sees that side of it uh-huh. and they see what they need to do in order to stay on that side. Of it. It's like, if I put it another way, a lot of football clubs in the UK, they get uh, fan representatives on the board. And then once the fans get on the board and they see that side of things, it's not always the kind of fan-friendly thing that the fans think it's going to be. And then they, they see the ins and outs and then they go, well, you know what? I don't agree actually with what the fans are wanting. So it doesn't always work work in that way, Steve, as you say. Yeah. But I mean, what would you like to see changed, both of you? I, I just think more that transparency, they, more openness, uh, transparency, openness, whatever you want to say. But I, I think they need to like if if something comes like this in there, um, uh, obviously uh, have like a, a small group of people on the CSA side of it that can come in there and fix the problem. Don't rely on a, a Dr. Nick and Earl. My name is Earl or whatever you want to call them. Um, don't rely on those guys to be the solvers. They need a small group, maybe a group of three that can go in and talk to the players and know how to talk to the players. Um, a, a and, committee and, and not, almost. Yeah. Not, not, not a, I wouldn't even say a committee just uh, because that does have a negative connotation, uh, but definitely like a group of people. And it doesn't have to be, it could be somebody in marketing. It could be somebody in a different mm-hmm. part of the CSA that can come in there. They might not even be part of the CSA. They might be like like volunteers and they don't do it. They just come in when an issue comes up. So they're almost like a third party, kind of a, a middleman or something like that. So that's maybe something they need. I, I, I've always thought that um, whenever you have um, ownership dealing with directly with players, it, and, and I'm saying ownership, but it really is federation. Yeah. Um, um, it doesn't always work because they're on opposite sides. You need somebody in the middle to mediate the issue. And having that having that available at a moment's notice is probably a good thing. The, the players have to get union representation. 
Oh, for sure. And that, yeah, that's they, a, a thing as well. That's probably the bigger change that I would want and more than what's changing in the CSA because I have no um, um, confidence that anything will change in the CSA. Like I've always wanted changes in the past, so I don't know how many how many changes are going to happen in the new future. Yeah, and with the World Cup coming up, there's going to be a lot of folk, like if they want to streamline positions or get rid of people, there's going to be a lot of folk fighting against that because they obviously yeah. are going to be involved in the, this coming up. Although That's what I'm saying. Nothing could be moving on to World Cup bid side of things as well and that that's allows why, younger people to come in that's why I don't, like i like what i said before i don't think anything was going to change up to this world cup i don't think they're going to get anything different from what they were being offered before maybe it gets a slightly better but i don't think it's gonna be a drastic change zach what would you like to see change in canadian soccer this could be an extra podcast by the way what zach wants to change. yeah I agree with you guys. Remembering trans- that Steve has to get to bed at some point. Yeah. I'm, I agree with you guys when it comes to transparency. It would be nice for us to know some more of, of the details and and not just details, but I guess also the rationale be- behind uh, some of the some of these uh, decisions. Um, I think from the player side, I think too, I, th- I would like to see in this particular instance them uh, maybe rescind some of uh, some of their requests. And I, again, I don't know how much of it was just posturing, but I think well, you always ex- go in high. Yeah, but to come down, I guess. Yeah, but just even the whole, like for me, the whole one of the things that was hard was just like the hey, we expect our family to be flown there and stuff. I I don't think that's a bad ideal, but I don't think it's where the 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 federation is at. And I think, like we said before, you can't compare what your teammates, your European club are, yeah. are getting. It's also it's not a holiday. You're there to work. Yeah, yeah. Because well, I think, if, yeah, if I you, think the idea of these... other camps, it's like the wives and girlfriends and family are kept well away from the, the players for a, a large chunk Yeah, of depending it. on the federation, for sure. I think in the, in the modern era, Michael, I think the thought is knowing your family's there gives you more peace of mind and blah, 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 whatever. Yeah. There's a different way to look at it, but whatever. So I'd like to see maybe some of those things, some, maybe some of their expectations to be um not not i was gonna say mellowed but maybe more in line with reality for where the the federation is at um yeah yeah i think uh also the more representation thing like you guys were saying more like actually like football people former players former coaches uh being involved if if they can facilitate that or mandate that or or whatever, I think that would be very helpful. And um, yeah, I think that could help ease some of this, uh, some of the issues that they've had, you know, in in, uh, in the last uh, the last couple of weeks. Um, I mean, what else? I, I think it's hard here because this whole conversation is a, is a part of a bigger conversation we, we've we've had off and on over the years about one I of the know, problems we can with talk football. For hours in this. Oh yeah, one of the problems with football in Canada is everyone's looking out for themselves. Yeah, and so again, it's that needs to ch- that needs to change. But I think it, part of it that comes with strong leadership, and uh, one of the knocks against the CSA um, is that their leadership isn't uh, it hasn't been the strongest. And so that's definitely an area they they could grow in. And I, it's hard to see that growing with some of the people who are in the places there are positions there right now. But again, I'm, I also feel harsh, you know, calling for someone to someone's job, but yeah, I, I, it will be interesting to see if anyone, anyone does lose their job over like the Iran thing or whatever. It's a volunteer position. So it's not like they get paid for it. 
Right. Okay. Then. Yeah. Then they definitely. But then there's definitely the some Iran people thing does need to to get someone needs to get to the bottom of that. They need to explain why that decision was made, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Yeah. I'll just finish this bit by like we talk about dysfunction, and that this is something that's been going on in BC soccer that folk may have missed during all this. There was a vote in BC soccer to change the voting structure within BC soccer to fall in line with what Canada soccer wants. So, without going into the long history, right now, the vote instruction BC Soccer is the adult leagues have a 50% vote, the youth leagues have a 50% vote. It was put to the membership to change that so that the adults would only have a 27% vote. Unsurprisingly, it got voted down because it was a 50-50 vote, so the adult leagues, it's like Turkey's voting for Christmas, they're not going to go... Yeah, we want to have less power in, in how BC soccer is run. So it's voted down, which goes against what Canada soccer wanted. So now that was a democratic process. Now, rightly or wrongly, how the vote ended up. But now Canada soccer, there could be sanctions in the, for the adult leagues because they didn't do what Canada soccer wanted. And that's not how you run an organisation. It's not dictatorial. It's you've got to like put it to the members to have a vote. So all this kind of stuff needs to change. And sometimes Canadian soccer is just a giant mess. And there are folk that are out for self-interest and there always will be. And you've got to kind of work out a way to get around that as well. But there's a lot more we could talk about. I think it would be fun to probably have a round table and get some interested parties maybe from around Canada on just to talk about these kind of things. Yeah. I'm just still disappointed we didn't get to talk to, to um, Naveed Masinchi about the Iran game. I know, Naveed <laughs> was going to come on the show and give us the big scoop on Iran and all the, the stuff with that. So, I don't know, maybe for 2026 if we, if we get them in our, in our group, we'll get them on for that. But that is it for our Canadian soccer chat for now. But it's not it for the show. We're going to move away from the national team now get back to our bread and butter club football we're going to be talking about the white caps and what has been a very very good couple of weeks for the white caps we'll be back chatting about that after this hi i'm vanny sartini and you're listening to the aftn soccer show Welcome back to the AFTN Soccer Show on CITR Radio 101.9 FM. And kicking off this part is another song from our new Artist of the Month here at AFTN for June from Brooklyn, Thick. 
That was their debut single from 2016 called Anymore. You can find all their stuff in all the usual places. Thick.bandcamp.com has a, a lot of their early stuff in there as well, which is kind of hard to get these days. Fantastic three-piece band. I think you'll really like them the more that you listen to them. I can't wait for them to, to come back and play here. They were fantastic live. They've got a kind of melodic, punky sound, but they've also got quite a, a harder sound as well. So it's a nice little mix from the, the songs on their, their debut album, which came out last year, called Five Years Behind. We'll have a lot more from them to come over this month. But for this part of the show, we're going to turn our attentions now to club football. We're going to be talking Whitecaps. There's been two matches played since our last show. We're not going to delve into all the ins and outs of it, so don't worry about that. We're just going to kind of talk more generally uh, about the Whitecaps in this part. Because since the last show, the Whitecaps have taken six points out of six in MLS action. They beat KC in KC 1-0, thanks to a 27th minute Lucas Cavallini penalty. Then on Saturday, a dramatic last gasp 2-1 home win over Real Salt Lake. They've not been playing great, but they've been getting the results, which, whilst undermanned, is a a tremendous stuff, really. Four wins, one loss, one draw in the, the last six matches, Steve. The second best form in Major League Soccer over the last six games behind NYCFC, Ninth best in MLS if you look over the last eight. Let's just look over the last six. They, they've turned a corner and it's a fun team to watch just now. Yeah, it's they're kind of mirroring what they did last year uh, in, in September or late August or whatever. Without they did. really firing on, on the cylinders that they did back then. Yeah, so um, essentially, like, who knew that the Whitecaps would be the better run, you know, organization in vancouver last weekend yeah, yes. uh, considering c- going into it so um for one weekend at least um essentially they've been you're right they're, they're not playing great but they're playing what they need to play and 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 sometimes you rely on luck uh, on some of that stuff and sometimes you rely on bad calls from the referee but they've been plenty of times when they've been playing well and the referees have been had bad calls against them so it kind of evens out overall over a full season so for me, yeah, I I didn't see this kind of run at, uh, based on what they were, the, yeah, admit. what they were doing. But it's good to see that they're kind of turning it around. Yeah, ten like in the West now, Zach. Yeah, like we were, uh, we talked about last time. It's uh, I I also did not see them going on uh, a, the beginning of a run that you know looks like what they did did last year. Uh, so very like very very surprised. And they can only, you know, play and beat what's in front of them. I mean, uh, well, I mean Kansas City is a Kansas dire Kansas City was, 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 was right atrocious. And, and RSL's the, playing. Uh, yeah, RSL is one of the informed teams just now. Yeah, but yeah. Their, their goalie is Zach McMath. Was, is it full-time? Is it, he actually their starter or was that yeah, just a he, one-off? He's, he's, oh. been the, he's been the starter now. But, I mean, the thing is, RSL for me were the better team, especially in the second half. And like after the game, Vanny said Whitecaps didn't deserve to win, but that well, that's a mark of a, I was going to say it's a mark of a, a champion, but that's maybe getting a little bit far ahead of ourselves. But when you can get these results when you're not actually playing great, never mind all the players that they've been missing, I just think that's fantastic. Yeah, but they they, they were they were the thing is that they although except for and I guess we'll talk about it later, but. 
except for the great assist by Raposo on the RSL goal, um, <laughs> which I think is going to be, if you want to make a new award up, it'll be the best assist to the opposition team. <laughs> Godinho and Raposo are up for both. Chested uh, it like so well for the guy. Yeah, uh, uh, but overall, like, uh, except for that, they, they like, while RSL held the play, and obviously with proper save, um, the, the, the RSL didn't, like, there weren't, that many dangerous opportunities out no, like they but were they did, yeah. they did look the better team yeah for sure but white caps 10th in the west now one point off the playoff places there's just three points separating seventh to twelfth which is remarkable but maybe not surprising because we know how tight the west is all the white caps needed to do was to keep in the playoff picture and keep in touch really until they got everyone healthy. So yeah. they've done that and more. And I, I think Vanni Sartini and all the players deserve a huge amount of credit for, for doing this. D- just to chat briefly about the RSL game, won't talk about the KC game, but the, the game on Saturday, Caps took the lead in the first half, and I, I thought they, they edged the first half in many ways. Ranko Visalinovic, 31st minute, nice finish from him from close in. Or in the right goal for once. Yeah. yeah. (laughs) I'd said a couple of weeks ago in the show that I thought he had really kind of turned the corner and was one of the best players. And then he had a a, a bad game and I was like, oh, I've jinxed him. But he's come back good. I I do like what I've seen from Ranko on the whole this year. Tristan Blackman, for me, was the best defender for the Whitecaps. But since he's gone out, Ranko's taken that mantle over. I just think he's been excellent. And if they can get these dangerous and, pieces, and if they can get Blackman, Renko, and Godoy, and they're all healthy yeah. and oh, they yeah. stay healthy for the rest of the year, that's a de- very decent back three. Yeah, very, that, very much so. That's that's a MLS quality back three, which we yeah. haven't had for a lot of this season. Obviously, I mean the goal that Renko got, it was nice all round because it was a little flick on from Flo, and we'll we'll come to Flo shortly, just in general, and Jake Nerwinski. He's got a long throw. I didn't actually know he had that in his locker. Had I just forgotten that? Or have we not really seen that from it, him? It was No, I don't recall it that much either. It was very West Knightish. Yeah, it wasn't, uh, that, it wasn't that long though, was it? No, it wasn't that long because it had to be flicked. I think West Knight can yeah. throw, uh, could, could do the It was still longer. a long throw though. And he, and he didn't flip over. And do the throws so that so that that was <laughs> who was that? What team was that in the that in was crossfire? Crossfire, crossfire, crossfire. Yeah, crossfire. Oh, it's amazing um, the little things that stick in your head. Was it Ben? Yeah. Was it the other guy named Ben Fisk who did that? Yes, I, it was yeah. it. Yeah. Oh, was it the Fisk? It was the other Ben Fisk. It was the other Ben Fisk. Yes, the, the lesser Ben Fisk. Circus um, performer. Um. So yeah. Um, so just so, as an aside, during my commentary last night, one of the varsity players, Victory Shambusho had got the ball on the edge of the box and he headed it about four, four or five times and Gideon's like, I've never seen that before. I went, oh, I have. I saw a seal do that at Sea World once, which just set Gideon off. Um, what you call it? Uh, but the, 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 the throw by Jake, like the thing is, it, it might not have been a, a very long throw, but it was it was an accurate throw because Flo knew exactly where he needed yeah, to be. Yeah, it was a great off. little flick he, from him and then straight yeah. to Ranko. But it was yeah. the kind of goal that we've criticised as, where's the marking? Yeah. That was horrible marking. Oh, by Zach McMath was livid at his defense. Rightly and so. And rightly so. Because yeah. he's seen that a few times at the other side of the pitch at, at BC Place. Talking to goalkeepers, second half, 
If Cody Cropper does not win our save of the year for that save, 51st minute, 52nd minute, the header, one handed scoop off the goal line. Yeah. Wow. That mm. was one hell of a save. I mean, it was no Gordon Banks, but it was, yeah, it was pretty good. <laughs> well, he was no Pele, to be, to be fair, Cordova. So. Yeah. But no, that, that was a fantastic save. And then 25 seconds later, he's picking the ball out the back of the net. Yeah, so maybe that save really, like, if he had let it in, maybe the, obviously the other goal doesn't happen and it saves Raposo um, from, you know, being up for that award at the end of the year. Yeah, um, like, but- I, I've liked... Ryan Raposo, we were waxing lyrical about him in the last show about what he brings offensively to the team and his attitude. Defensively, though, he's, yeah, I, I, he's shown I'm, a couple of times he's not great defensively. I wonder if we he had like a like a you know a glitch in the head or something like that that like he thought he was on the attack or something like that. So he, <laughs> he laid it really nicely down. Oh, well chested down. I, I, I'm assuming that he was trying like he he, want, he should have hit a little harder. So it got back to the goalie. I think that's what he was trying to do. Yeah. So the goalie could scoop it up. In all fairness, aside from Christian Gutierrez, are not all, or, and maybe I guess now Luis Martinez, or yeah, Luis Martins. Martins, are not all the, the players that Vanny uses as a wing back, like a square peg in a round hole? Yeah. Not really. Godinho, I, I guess he would be a fullback. Well, yeah, more. I mean, Godinho maybe was Godinho. a and, and Javade Brown is definitely a fullback because yeah. he should be a center back, really. Um, yeah. So, uh, yeah, there are uh, yeah, a lot of, you're thinking like Christian Dahomey and stuff, and it's like, yeah, and Re- that's and Ryan not Raposo. their strengths. Yeah, I know Raposo's had some, you know, some, you know, good contributions from there, but it was a glaring like, oh yeah, that's right, he's not great defensively from that position. I mean, for me, Raposo, guess the unsung hero, but we've been singing his praises. But you know what I mean? He's like been one of those guys that's done a lot for the team this year, and it was I, I felt for him. Because he knew he'd he'd done bad, and I I don't think he should have been the one that was there anyway to deal with that. But that, that's a whole other side of things. But Cody Cropper, we talked about this on the on the last show, Steve. You weren't there; you were outside yeah. Uber Eats in in Calgary. <laughs> yeah. Glad I finally got that message for you to to come home. <laughs> but what have you made a Cropper? I do you see Hassel getting the starting jersey back? Because I don't. Well, first of all, uh, about. The- the uh, one thing I want to mention about Uber Eats, I, I can't stand those commercials. I because I see it on YouTube all the time, and I, it's the stupidest. What, when there's stupidity in commercials, I can't stand it. But uh, talking about the, don't the, start me on the come on one that's on one soccer that you're oh, lucky enough geez. not to see. Um, the the one that I the 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 thing about for me is always that I don't feel that players should lose their spot uh, to an injury. I've always felt like that, and so but. If Cropper keeps playing like this, and who knows, I don't know how long Hassal's still going to be out for. Mm. If Cropper keeps playing like this, yeah, maybe at that point, if it's really extended and you don't want to like jinx the thing, if it's if he's back sooner, then maybe he does. Uh, they maybe swap back and forth. But at this point, yeah, Cropper's probably got the spot. Um, I, but it, it's, it's going to be very tight depending on. Does anybody know when Hassal is? No, scheduled? no they haven't had an update actually recently. But, and, yeah. and mid to late June, I believe, was the, what they gave. Yeah, but that could get extended. I think. I yeah, because we haven't it, heard anything. Because yes, the save was huge, but he like, and he's played smartly. But I feel like the defense in front of him is very good um, at this point. So I don't know, um, like, 
Like it, it's yeah, they're, they're playing they're playing Hassau better defensively. A, a, basically, Hassau definitely had a worse defense in front of. Oh, him. for sure. Yeah, like he got no support at all and no attacking support, no goals coming in either. So in that case, it's kind of unfair to put it on him. But um, if but if Cropper no, keeps I mean, put, I'm being not putting upset on him, I just feel no, no. Like Cropper has been playing so well that I just don't uh, think you can take I, that I, away I, from him. I don't feel Cropper's done much more than what Hassau's done. I, I, other than that big huge save for mm. sure. But I, I just feel like, like it, it. I think Hassal could have made some of those stops as well. Um, that that Cropper's made because it hasn't. He wasn't under fire. Cropper's uh, Cropper's not been under fire since he's yeah, come he. Yeah, he he hasn't had like tons of pressure to to deal with. To be fair, now it, it could be it could be also. You know, this is the thing that we don't know, and the coaches would know more. Is he organizing the defense better than what Hassal is doing? And it's because of his experience. So yeah, that, if that's happening, communicator. Yeah, if that's happening, which we, it's hard to tell unless you're right at the game. It, 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 yeah, maybe that's the reason he stays on. Speaking of being in the game, Michael, you weren't at the the solid match, right? No, um, just because so, I was still coming off COVID, yeah. I thought it wasn't so, a good idea so you, to to go. So you, you're still. You must. They must want to keep you away as the streak keeps going. <laughs> I I think that since I haven't been going because I've missed some games with commentary and then with COVID, that they have done well. They have now moved me to the pregame on the on the radio because I've done two pregame appearances now and they've won both games. Whereas every time I go on after the game, they've lost. So we're we're keeping that streak going. So I'm I'm happy to go on pregame if it's gonna. Get the, the points. I think I get a championship ring at the end of the season because of that. <laughs> but but we'll see how that goes. But yeah, Justin Miram had equalised twenty five seconds after that great save. RSL kind of bossed the game for me after that, but didn't matter. They didn't get the three points. They didn't even get the one point because Herrera brought down Louis Martins for a penalty, and it was a clear penalty. I thought it was a bit harsh actually for Herrera to get a red card for it. I think it was the second yellow, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. Yeah, but I still, I don't know. I thought it was... No, a- but if it's a second yellow, then yeah, I, I think uh, that's agreeable. But at I, that point, I don't think it makes a big difference because no. the game was basically I, over I at thought that Martins did really well to get that penalty. That, yeah. was, that was your experienced head coming in. Yeah. That, getting I mean, into the ball and getting the contact. Um, I also, like. I think it was a fantastic play by Gold. In order to oh, yeah. or gold or gold or gold or whatever, um, in order to get that goal, the one underrated thing that I found, well, I, I like the run by Martins, obviously, but uh, Kyle Alexandre, who came into this game, I think it was his debut of the season, if I'm, or maybe he played in. I can't remember now. Uh, everything's know, melting together. FC too, it's all meshing into one now. Yeah, so uh, but like he he also ran into the box, and that's something that we didn't see from the deep lying midfielders or whatever, and that caused uh, the confusion for the uh, RSL defenders. And I think that was very underrated, and that allowed uh, Martins to have a little bit of a run into the box, it, forcing it, it, the RSL defender to dive down in, at the last second. It was crazy how many Vancouver attackers there were compared to mm-hmm. RSL defenders, yeah. aside from the wide open uh, Martins. Yep. Gold buries the penalty. It's a 2-1 win. Another last gasp win. I've like The fight that this team shows to the end of the games is incredible. And that's just what you... That's all you can really ask for, from your players yeah. is to give it all until the final whistle I, and I, not I, let your heads go down. I disagree with what one of you said earlier that I, I don't think these are pretty wins or, you know, the what I don't think they're playing high-quality football. 
But it, yeah, does it really matter when you keep on winning? Oh yeah. I mean, I it's, it's of, definitely I not think, pretty football. But... No, none of us said that. I think no, we're, we're all saying that they're 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 not playing oh, okay. great, but they're getting the wins. Okay, sorry. Um, but th- that is the thing. It's like you get the wins how you can, and folk know that I would take a ground out one 0 win any day of the week. It's all about getting the three points. But the great thing now, from a Whitecaps point of view, is they're getting their guys back. Kyle's back. And he played for WFC too on the Sunday as well to get some more minutes under his belt. So he's back now. He's looking good. You've got Tristan Blackman that was on the bench. So he's going to be close to coming back. And hopefully we will see that back three that we're wanting. Kubis, by the time he finishes up with Paraguay in this window, he'll be able to go. But I don't know that he'll be starting right away because he still has to obviously get the chemistry with the team and the new surroundings and everything like that but we maybe don't need him right away either because we've got our new number six Florian Jungwirth who has been outstanding for me over these last two games in the number yeah. six role it's, it's probably the role that he likes to play I think too somebody was he mentioning it. I think Germany that before. in Germany yeah, yeah. and um oh uh, I think that you're right but I think overall, for the long term, it probably won't work. I think it's better to get, obviously, Kubis. Yeah, since he, I mean, Kubis is spent definitely for him. A, a much better player, but I yeah. really liked Flo back there. I agree. I, I agree. He's he's looked good against teams like uh, Kansas City and, and now against Salt Lake. However, he will, by better teams, get cut out for yeah, pace. Seattle and, and, on Tuesday will be a test for him. Yeah, yeah. It, it'll, he'll, like the thing is that people have seen it now, and so people have like a, a film on it, and they'll be able to yeah. figure out what to break it down. Before it was a new, a new thing. It's like, oh, how's I want to, I want to give a quick shout out to also to Tosian Ricketts, who I think leads the, oh, yes. possibly leads the league in um, <laughs> OWGs now, offside winning goals. Um, so I think, I think, I think, I think he should be definitely a, a special shout out for him. Steve, I, mean, I didn't know he'd run over that cat, but. Steve, I think he'll appreciate the fact that you're standing by him. Yeah. Hey. But he, actually, he has been a revelation this year in some regards. I mean, we we know what what Toss can do because we've seen what he did when he was with TFC. We've seen it at the national team. But he looks lively. He looks hungry. And it's another little attacking threat that you can bring off the bench when you need it and get the odd start out of him as well. So, I mean, all we've said where did the feel good factor go before it's back just now and let's hope it does stay here Seattle is next they do have a number of players away on international duty I I think it'll be much the same squad wise and starting 11 wise from Vanny if we can get anything from that a point I I would take right now I'm I'm not confident we will I think it might be a narrow defeat maybe a 2-1 defeat or, or something but get anything from this and I, I think that would be huge how do you guys see that one going oh i don't know it's gonna be odd because it's like I, I don't even but obviously vancouver hasn't played for like a more than a week and then seattle i don't know i can't recall the last time they played so yeah. it's going to be a very weird game because everybody's yeah, probably going to be a little bit rusty game, of course for the yeah for the Champions League. So I think it's, I think both teams are it's it's a hard game to predict because of that because everybody's you know kind of been out of sorts for a bit. I think Vancouver's probably more uh ready to play in this game than Seattle, but Seattle's, you know, they're a professional team. They they got really solid players and I think they'd be up for it for sure. I, I think it's yeah, it's a home game for Seattle. I think Seattle ha- like has to be favored. Oh, for sure. 
but I, I remember like it was last year I said the same thing you know I like how can Seattle not win this kind of game and then Vancouver goes out and I think like tied one of them yeah like 2-2 or something a but like I, performance I, my, my ultimate my ultimate um call in the game I think is going to be 2-0 Seattle I'll say uh 3-2 uh, Seattle with the help We'll be back to chat about that one in the next show. Just to finish things off, Whitecaps chat, WFC2, want to talk about them. They're sitting fifth in the West, but they're only three points off first place. They, they had a, a PK win over SKC2 and then a 4-0 thumping on Sunday. Yeah, it was the, Sunday. It was Sunday. The and, Monarchs. and that was, I think, a uh, good job. Kudos to the Whitecaps organization. For saying to people, if you had a ticket for the Panama game, yeah. just bring it to Swangard and you'll get in. I think, um, yeah, well done. Yeah, that w- that was nice. I'd, I'd also got the altitude guys to do that as well because they oh, cool. had a, a League One B game as well. And a few folk did turn up for that uh, cool. as well. So that is, that that's how it should be. It's like folk were pissed off. They wanted to see a game of football. And I saw some Canada jerseys and stuff in the in the crowd first WFC2 home game of the season that I've had to miss because I, I was commentating at that altitude game. I'm going to miss this Sunday's one as well where they take on Tacoma Defiance at 2 o'clock because I'm going to be commentating again at that. But League 1 BC is in full flow just now and I want to give a shout out to a number of, of different teams for, for various <laughs> things here because obviously we do commentary for four of them but in the women's side, the Whitecaps women are looking phenomenal. Get out and watch the these young players. A big bulk of this Whitecaps squad, 10 of them, are going to be part of Canada's Under-17 World Cup team that's going to be playing in India in October because you've got the, the girls that's come through the Whitecaps system, but they've also added players from other Rex programs across Canada. So it's a very, very young team, but a very strong team. Four wins... Out of four, 11 goals for, only two conceded. They lead the way on 12 points. And it looks like it's a three-horse race for the, the two that's going to be in the championship game on the women's side. You've got the Whitecaps on 12, you've got TSS Rovers on nine, and Varsity on nine, and they've only played three games so far as well. I've really enjoyed the action in the, the women's division. That, that's been fantastic. The men's side is wide open just now. It's going to be interesting to see who takes those spots up as well. You've got leading the way, Varsity FC. Three wins from three, nine points. TSS Rovers on eight points from four. The Whitecaps, seven from four. And then Rivers, Highlanders are are in the mix as well. There's been some great football played. So get out and, and watch this league. There's a lot of young talent there. They're putting themselves in the shop window. Hopefully you'll see a number of them go on and move into CPL. I've been enjoying doing the commentary with Gideon. And yeah, it's, it's great. Get out and watch this. You can find all the action on league1bc.ca and you can follow our weekly roundups as well. That is pretty much it for this episode of the show, but we can't go without bringing you this episode's wavelength. And I'm going back to the album that I'm slowly working my way through and bringing you some songs from, from 2020. It's by a band from England called Armchair Loyal. And this is the last track on their album, All You Need Is In Love. And it's Career Ending Injury. scored 20 goals a season every season and did you see the penalty today you hit that like you hit Ulrika and I just couldn't believe it 
Thank you very much for your call. Chelsea is a... Uh, just don't know why for at least three seasons he's been ignoring Antinemi. Antinemi? Aye, I don't know why he doesn't get a game. <laughs> for Scotland? Aye. He's from Finland. What? He's Finnish, isn't he? He's not Finnish. He's only 28. White hair is a Brighton season ticket holder. And he also happens to be a local clergyman and father of the commentator. Alan Casey of 13 Wolsey Avenue, Walthamstow, London E17, claims that when Willie Carr was booked, he was retaliated because Rodney Marsh, far from rubbing Carr's head in a sporting fashion as it seemed, actually twisted the Coventry player's ear. I'm sorry, you can sit there and look and play with all your silly machines as much as you like. I'm manager of a football team, rather than an experienced manager. Yeah, if the boys haven't done enough, I'll whip them. I ain't whipping them for that tonight. Who won the Man of the Match award? They peasant won the Oh, sorry, so he must have played not bad then. Thank you very much, lads. See you later. so they couldn't tell whether he was coming or going, asked Ian. The craze started here with a player called Imri Baradi. Supporters started calling him Imri Banana. Something like the uh, crowd one day called him Imri Banana, and somebody just brought a banana in and it's just spread from there, as far as I remember. wasn't good enough by any manner of means, not good enough against mediocre opposition. I don't care which way you look at it, shows you were ten times the side they are, right? And they've had too much of a ball. No mistakes. Don't be the one that drops the that crossed the wall. Right? Just make sure it you don't give away. Twenty-one players reach for their handbags. People have to make it. Why do you feel we have to go? Yeah. 
Oh, you're missing it. You're missing it clearly, based on what you've got now. God, scored so many corners. Yes, yes, you've got to, I suppose, admire Villa's resilience in the end to take that amount of punishment and, and still you know, somehow snatch the game. But it was a brilliant goal, you know, absolutely fantastic goal uh, that, that ended up as being the winning goal of the game. Yeah. Well, you've done well to hold your concentration there because a few yobs are throwing stones at the window, but you've got to expect it sometimes. Alan? Yeah. I love that track. It's just sampling various... Collins that's been on, on radio shows about football in the UK and some commentators talking and some managers post-game and it includes one of my favourite bits that I'd forgotten all about probably going back maybe five or six years now it was on a, a Scottish football phone-in and the, the guy's calling about Anton Yemi who was the, the Rangers goalkeeper at the time and he's like I don't understand why he's been overlooked for, for Scotland for these past three seasons and the guy's like, "He's Finnish, Yemi," and he's like, "Yeah." He's like, "He's from Finland." He's like, "What?" He's like, "He's Finnish. He's not finished. He's only twenty-eight." Quality, quality, Colin. I still don't know if that was a wind-up or if that was a genuine call, but that was sampled there in that track. It's a great track there. Armchair loyal. All you need is in love. Is their album. You can find them on Bandcamp. Check it out. We've played you four songs, I think, from the album so far. It's a 16-track album. Each one's a banger, as I believe the kids might say these days. Or <laughs> now I can see your inspiration for the Jamaican uh, line that you always give. <laughs> yes, finished Jamaican. Lots of good jack jokes there. But that is it for this episode of the AFTN Soccer Show. It's been good to be back. I've got through it with only coughing a couple of times. That's why it's good to have a mute button. Great to have the three of us back as well because Steve's missed a couple of shows as well because he hadn't yeah. been well and then was on assignment for us. Just before we go, any final thoughts, anything you've learned this week? Where can folk find you online, Steve? Um, uh, you can find me on Twitter at WakeCapsBeat. Uh, not really what I learned, but I'm just reminded that, you know, My Name is Earl is a solid show and it was <laughs> disappointing to see it cancelled. Zach, any final thoughts from yourself? Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Zachary M. And yeah, I, uh, you know, a significant part of life is about reconciliation and restoration. And uh, my hope is that uh, we can see that lived out, even though we've had to walk through a tough week or two uh, with the Canadian Soccer Association and the, the men's squad. Uh, for all my criticisms or concerns about how the men have approached things, I, these are players I love and I'm so excited about and so thankful for uh, the, the massive steps they've seen or they've taken this program in. And so, yeah, I hope uh, things will be able to move forward. And um, yeah, I, I also my heart goes out to John Herdman and his coaching staff mm -hmm. and all these people who are yeah, even, even some of the this. people behind the scenes at the CSA who, you know, have a job to do. And, it, it, you know, their, 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 emails. Their, their world got turned upside down um in the last week and uh, yeah i just hope all these people can can move forward because there's a lot of hard-working people that um uh yeah had a very difficult week and um yeah anyways i, I i'm looking forward to i'm looking forward to getting on the other side of this and, and moving forward yeah i mean the feel-good factor had been just so too good, good to be true <laughs> yeah and I, it, it's tough 
but it just all looks about money but it's a lot more it goes a lot deeper than that and I think a lot of folk had just focused on the monetary side there needs to be change I hope there is that's one of the things that I take forward from the the past week or so I'm Michael McCall you can follow me on Twitter at AFTN Canada and we do our stuff AFTN.ca I, I guess my biggest thing that I've learned over the, the past week or so is not to get your hopes up. Scotland dashed mine. was so sure oh, yeah. we were going to the World Cup. They, they didn't deserve to, to go. They played absolutely terrible uh, against Ukraine. And then it was gutted that Ukraine didn't get there after Wales beat them as well. So oh. it was just... Just don't get hopes up in football. Just enjoy the ride. Take the highs. Take the lows. In football, most of the time, it's going to be lows as opposed to highs unless you're one of these people like Zach that just jumps on the bandwagon of Bayern Munich (laughs) and just follows these big teams. Yeah, they always fire their coaches unnecessarily. But that is it for this episode of the show. We will be back soon. Shouldn't be any more covid You can't get it twice in a a month, can you? I guess we'll find out. (laughs) But we will be back soon. Until then, thanks for listening. Take care. Ali La Rouge and Mon The Caps. Going to your first match is an experience you never forget. The atmosphere of what's going on around the pitch looks beautiful and you always look and go, wow, I'd love to play here one day. If you get the bug, it's going to stay with you for life.